let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast, Shifting Inside Out, hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We are diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift. Inspiring topics, hacks, and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power, and living a purpose-filled life. episode, I speak with Dina Lamarck-Picon, and she shares her journey of taking risks in her career, of leadership, and how she's found this leadership evolution to be much more impactful, and how her personal life and experiences have really opened up one of the best skills she can bring into her leadership. And you'll hear that in the episode, as well as you know what personal brand means and how important it is, and advocacy, and advocacy that I have witnessed her over the years, um, be that advocate on behalf of her team out in the community um, and for any cause that they need that messenger gift. Dina has been there and she has definitely been an impact to not only business, but also community. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt, on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt, or on Twitter at McCourt Angie. I hope you enjoy this episode, and without further ado, let's hear from Dina. Dina, welcome to Shifting Inside Out. It is so wonderful to have you on this episode. So to get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure thing. Thank you, Angie. I'm so excited to be here and so proud of everything that you've been putting out um, to your audience. So really honored to be here with you. My name is Dina Lamarck Piquion. I am currently CMO at Xerox, but I'm many other things. I'm also <laughs> a mom, a daughter, a wife, a, a soccer mom and team manager and a community activist and especially somebody who's really passionate about women in technology. Oh, I love it. Yes, that was a great introduction, by the way. <laughs> Very much encapsulated, Dina. Um, okay, so just have a few quick round questions for the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So can you give us an idea of what your morning ritual or routine is? Yes. So I wake up pretty early, um, anywhere between you know 6 and 6.15 usually. I have my morning espresso. That is the first thing I do. I cannot <laughs> function without my morning espresso. No sugar, no cream, no nothing, just the coffee. And then I focus on getting the kids ready for, for school, right? Making sure they have breakfast, making sure that they're, um, you know, getting a good start to their day. And then once I know they're settled and into their routine, then I can focus on, you know, working out, getting a quick workout in and then getting ready for my day. So that's usually the order. Coffee, kids, getting them settled, and then getting myself settled usually with some kind of sweat session. Awesome. I love it. How do you renew your energy? Yeah, for me, it's vacations, family mm. vacations, family time. Um, and with family, I mean, it can be the family I was born into. It could be the family I married into. It could be the family I chose through friends that have become family. But 
Um, Vacation is really important to me. It's it's one of the things that um, I think as we grow in our careers, we always need to make sure that we're actually taking and stopping and pausing to enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And especially beach or water or something of that sort really helps me to disconnect and, and get a little bit more in touch with nature. Or safaris in Africa. Yeah, or safaris <laughs> in Africa. Those are really good too. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? I have a few. <laughs> I, I have a few. Um, I still absolutely enjoy pizza and wine on Fridays. Sometimes I got to switch out the wine for tequila, depending on what kind of week it was. <laughs> um, but that's definitely a guilty pleasure. I would say also retail therapy, especially mm-hmm. on my phone. I Even just scrolling <laughs> sometimes through stuff is a way to kind of, it's a guilty little pleasure that I wish I did less of, but it sometimes <laughs> helps me to get distracted and, uh, and zone out a bit. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's it's the if they could just do window shopping online with no cart. <laughs> exactly. That would help so many of us. <laughs> okay. So um I have been just excited, so excited to have you on. Um, you you were part of this plan even long before you knew you were, um, <laughs> because I have had the pleasure of knowing you for, I think, over 20 years now and watching you grow in your career and becoming such an amazing, amazing, nurturing, evolved leader and such a beautiful representation, honestly, of where we need to take our leadership and also just from a community activist perspective and advocate of colleagues and employees, um, you know, a, a, a beautiful representation of work-life balance and making sure that priorities are set right. And a wonderful, honestly, a wonderful example of just, you know, building a, a, an amazing personal brand. And so, you know, I thought um, one of the things that I had the pleasure of watching, and I know many did, was in New York at Women of the Channel one year, you shared your journey. And I thought it would be great for you to do that today. And then maybe expand on a few of those other topics like personal brand advocacy and, um, you know, the the nurturing leader, um, because that is is definitely something that I would love for you to share how that journey has been for you as well. Thank you. Thanks, Angie. And I have to say, we have known each other for 20 years or more. And you were actually an example to me when I started, um, you know, at Tech Data, where we both got to know each other, because you were this great um, example, right, and pillar within Tech Data of somebody who was moving up in their career, a woman, family woman, somebody who, you know, also had other interests in life besides Mm -hmm. work, right? And and made those known to people, but was also just such a badass at work. Um, So thank you for being an example to me and inspiring me. Um, So I started, you know, not ever thinking I would be in technology, not ever, this was not where I wanted to be. I initially thought I'd be a lawyer. 
I then deviated a bit and, and thought I'd go into kind of like international relations and a lot of community, you know, NGO work and advocacy. And I guess that's where the advocacy comes from, right? Um, so I pivoted quickly because I had student loans <laughs> to pay back and I got approached by, you know, private sector opportunities like tech data. And I thought, well, I got to pay my student loans somehow. So if mm -hmm. I start out, you know, already um, 100% focused on my community interests, it's going to take me forever to, mm -hmm. to be able to pay back my student loans. So I started at Tech Data in a management training program. And I think we don't do this enough anymore as companies. I think we've departed from this kind of overall management training program that gives you an, an ability to see different aspects of the company. Like I think we've gotten so focused on people's particular skill sets and filling particular skills gaps that we have in our teams that we don't sometimes step back and see the potential in people if they just get to see a 360 of what makes a P&L work you know, what makes a balance sheet, you know, look attractive from, you know, one company to another? What are the levers that are, that are, you know, that are actually making that company tick, right? And so I have to say thank you for that program that I got because it gave me great insights into finance and HR and sales and product marketing and operations and a whole slew of areas and what their particular contributions were to making a successful company and running a successful company. Mm -hmm. So I did that and, um, you know, settled in operations, which I think you did a tour in operations too. Mm -hmm. right? I did. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was kind of the heart of the company at a point, mm -hmm. right? Because we were going through so much transformation that a lot of those initiatives were being led by, tracked by, supported by operations, right? And mm -hmm. so, yeah. so much of the, you know, margin improvement we were doing in a very tight margin industry or, you know, the right sizing that we were doing and capacity planning and things like that came out of yeah. that group. So, again, that gave me that preparation of kind of seeing the bigger picture of how sometimes some really tough decisions that need to be made, you know, can impact a company and, and a mm -hmm. company's long-term success. So started leading a very small team at first. I think like maybe three people was my first team and I was super nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, deliver performance reviews and tell these people what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. And they had been at the company for, you know, so long and I was new. And so there was that whole learning curve of being able to, you know, step into the shoes of a leader who's able to recognize the great contributions of people, but also give them constructive criticism and feedback on where they needed to improve. And then from there grew, you know, and expanded my teams, my responsibility, went on to take on product marketing, marketing eventually sales and then general management right and so through each of those journeys of growing in leadership the interesting thing was my own personal life was also you know growing expanding going through its own challenges right so um became a leader for the first time 
very close to around the time I got married, right? And had to balance, you know, having a partner, making sure you have a partner that supports you. Um, luckily and thankfully, I, I did meet my husband quite, you know, kind of later in life and got married later in life, right? Where it was already really important to me um, to be successful in my career and to have somebody that understood how important my career was to me. And so he did, and he was able to deal with, you know, me traveling and me de devoting the time I needed to, to excel in my career. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, you know, along your journeys, I think you'll talk to people all of the time. And I think it's one thing that it, it's a big hit or miss, right? And 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 you got to think about it. You got to be intentional about it. You got to have these conversations. Um, mm -hmm. If you do want to become a leader, you know, you really got to be intentional about how much that might occupy in terms of your personal uh, life and energy, right? And in, in trying mm -hmm. to be a good one and making sure that your partner supports that. So that's one. Um, you know, lesson, I'd say, along my journey that I always try to remind younger people as I'm, I'm talking earlier in career talent, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it can be any life partner, anybody you have around you, uh, they need to be supportive of what you're doing. And then I, as I started growing, you know, I had kids and then you have to balance this whole thing of being a mom and, and being, you know, a leader. And in our industry in particular, I think there was such a double standard still, mm -hmm. right? In yep. terms yep. of, um, you know, what was expected of us, what we could do and, and um, what we could contribute and still be a good mom, you know? And I say that in, in air quotes because people had this kind of like juxtaposition that you couldn't be this great career person and be a good mom. Like it had mm -hmm. to mean that you were giving it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that became really important to me and it became even more important to me when uh, my son got sick, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, my son was diagnosed with leukemia. He was two right before his third birthday. It was a really big week at work and, and there were some things that I did that I would redo if I had to, you know, if I were given the, the redo chance mm -hmm. and I swore to myself not to ever make those mistakes again, you know, about mm -hmm. prioritizing a meeting over like a gut feeling about health or, think, or you know, of your family. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that was another big lesson for me along the way. And it helped me to be a better leader along the way. First of all, because my team stepped up for me in a way that was just um, so inspiring, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they were they were so supportive, and that to me made all the difference. But then it also made me come back as such a much more empathetic um, mm -hmm. leader, right? Everybody yeah. has their own challenges. We all have varying degrees of wanting to share, wanting to be private about what's going on in our lives. And, and I think that we're at a point where, you know, the onus is on the leader to, to mm -hmm. demonstrate the empathy mm -hmm. and to put themselves in the shoes of the people that they lead, right? And, mm -hmm. and that comes with the territory. It comes with you know, being a leader and, and that's mm -hmm. what's expected of you in, in terms of being 
the best leader that you can be. So I think that was, you know, another really big lesson in my life that taught me, again, how to take what was going on in my life, find a way to balance, and then find a way to take that into how I lead people and how I, um, you know, delicately balance all that I know they have going on as well at different times and be able to support them. Um, and as, you know, as I grew in my career and as opportunities came up where even I was interviewed by people I knew, right, and that knew my work ethic, knew my, my work output, and knew everything, they still questioned along the way, right, either my ability or my determination or my dedication, whether I'd be able to do things to be able to get the job done well. And I think that this was an area that really, it was a pet peeve of mine, to be honest. You know, yeah. um, what women had to go through in our industry in order to kind of jump through the same hoops and get the same positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it didn't come from a malicious place, you know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't actually think it came from a malicious place for most people. It was just kind of habit conditioning. Mm-hmm. And, and not stepping out of yourself and, and say, you know, thinking before you speaking, think, thinking before you ask. Um, but I think what, what happened is then I said, okay, well, now I'm in a position where, first of all, I could tell them that what they're saying is inappropriate or challenge, mm-hmm. challenge, you know, why they were asking me that and if they would have asked somebody else that, but also teach those around me and those on my team, you know, what was considered acceptable and and unacceptable behavior, either when recruiting or in the unfortunate times that we had to go through downsizing, right? Mm -hmm. What, what, what was actually acceptable to be considered and what wasn't? And, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a responsibility that we also have as leaders especially those of us that consider, uh, you know, consider ourselves diversity and inclusion advocates, mm-hmm. we have that responsibility to stand up and, and to make a difference with those around us. Mm-hmm. Um, the transformations we went through at Tech Data, I mean, you know, we went through so <laughs> many transformations, <laughs> culture integrations mm-hmm. and, you know, transformations of, of, you know, actual real purpose of being as a company, right? Shifting. And these were things that taught so much. Um, and I think that the, the experiences were so rich and they allowed me the opportunity along my personal journey to also decide how much I wanted to be able to share with other people, right? Mm. And so, I you know, I, I decided that I hadn't, throughout all these great experiences, I had great bosses. I had some not so great bosses, but I had some great bosses, (laughs) but they were all men. And I could never really get down and talk to them in this way, have a conversation like this. And like, Mm -hmm. I, so what I decided to do was develop a platform where I could share some of those experiences with people, right? 
They could yeah. read personal blogs from me. They could reach out to me with questions. Um, they could read some of the same books that I had read. They could see an example of, you know, work-life balance and what that looked like. Because I just never had anybody to go to um, in that way. And so mm-hmm. that for me was was a great space, having a company that actually supported me, you know, in doing that and allowing me my space to do that. And so, you know, I ended up developing a personal brand while mm-hmm. I was at a company that ultimately probably got me noticed by another company who ended up recruiting me <laughs> away, right? But yep. the, <laughs> those are the chances you take in life, right? And, and the more you put yourself out there, the more opportunities you have like that. But that wasn't actually even why I had created it. It was mm-hmm. really to to be able to to serve as an advocate and as an example for other mm-hmm. women in our industry. Um, and even the most basic and simplest of things and showing images of, you know, other things that I did and, you know, yeah. yoga or, or mm-hmm. exercising or vacationing. My friends, my girlfriends, who are an absolute big part of of me getting through my personal journey. So, you know, that to me is so important. So it's not only important to define who are you at work, right? And what do you want your brand at work to to be? Because you got to be known for something, right? When people Mm -hmm. think of you for an opportunity, for a project, for, you know, anything, you want a few things to come to mind in terms Mm -hmm. of what you're known for, right? And so I had that at work, right? You know, I was known for being a relatable leader, somebody people would, you know, relate to and follow and engage with, but also somebody who, you know, got their work done, right? If I I made a promise on a timeline, on a deadline, I, I met it. You know, if I had a task at hand, we we attacked it and we got it done, right? But then I started to think, well, how does that relate to what I want to leave overall as a, you know, as a brand and as a legacy? And I don't only want to be known as a professional. It's the intersection of everything that I do that makes me me, right? And, mm-hmm. and if people didn't know about me as a mom and me as a wife and, you know, me as somebody who raises funds for charities that are dear to my heart, then they wouldn't see all of me, right? Yeah. And I think that that's something that today we need to make sure as leaders that we're really paying attention to. Because when you look at the next generation of talent that's coming in, they want a purpose. They want a connection. They want, you know, they want to be understood and they want to ensure that they align with the same values that you have. Yes. So, um, you know, having that platform really allowed me to think and and kind of boil down to, you know, what do I want to be known for and and how can I help others guide through their own journeys? Mm-hmm. So ultimately, about two years ago, I left um, Tech Data, joined Xerox and led their LATAM team. And then was tapped recently, a few months ago, to participate in um, this CMO, uh, you know, interview opportunity. Our CMO had left 
and there was an opportunity and they knew I had some marketing background in, in the past, but they, you know, more than that, they knew I had a business background, which I think mm-hmm. they thought at this point in time was what was needed more than a true marketing background. And I have to say, like many other times in my career, you know, the little voice, the little, you know, the little, oh my gosh, can you really do this? Do you really want to do this? It started to pop. and, and The saboteur. In. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Started to creep into my head. And, um, and it was actually my husband who's done it, you know, quite a few times that reminded me, like, you've got this, you can do this, like, mm-hmm. go and give it your all in the process and yeah. see what happens. And so it, you know, that's why I go back to saying that having that partner so, or anyone, a friend, a sister, a brother, a, a life partner, but somebody that can help you get that voice out of your head and, and, and calm that voice and make sure that you continue to push forward in your journey rather than stand still. Mm-hmm is such a blessing right and, and we all have to have those people um in our lives that that we want to that we need that we can go bounce our ideas off of so i developed my brand it's iamdina.com if anybody wants to check it out and it was you know i decided to go with i am dina because literally in the most authentic of ways it is just who i am and and you know if you can learn from me if you can take any nuggets then great and if we can connect and engage and learn from each other then even better um and it's it's done wonders for me speaking to people in a different way right people have come up to me from our industry and they've said oh my daughter wants to do this but she's already afraid and thinking about the family she's going to have like 10 years or 15 years from now that she doesn't have now, but how it's going to, how it's going to stop her or get in her way of what she Mm -hmm. wants to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell her to call me. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that, you know, my journey, I would say, has been amazing. It's nowhere near being done. I have a lot more that I still want to get done um, in life, right? I do want to have a board seat one day. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be, you know, just because that's another area where this, you know, there's this opportunity to break biases and break ceilings. And, and so it's one of those that's coveted to me just because we still see so few, right? Mm-hmm. And And so I think that's something I aspire to. I mean, I'm on boards, but not a public paid board position, mm-hmm. right? And so I think mm-hmm. that's where where it comes in in terms of um, really breaking the ceiling. So that's something that I, you know, I have as a goal for myself. And I continue to surround myself with people that can help remind me how to be a better person. Because ultimately, if you're trying to be a better person, you will be a better leader, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We are all people. Absolutely. Yep. And if you're striving to be the best version of yourself as a person, then you will be a better leader and it will resonate through. Mm-hmm. And I've had the examples of people that I didn't want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I have to remember those from time to time. Especially if, you know, it's a tough situation, it's, you know, a tough task at hand. 
you got to remind yourself you do not want to be that person. You mm-hmm. want, you need to stop, check in with your people, see how they're doing, see what they need, and make sure that you advocate for them at the table where they're not invited to the conversation, right? You are their representative at that table. Yes. And it doesn't mean that I haven't had to make those tough decisions that we've all had to make at some point in our career, but you do it in a respectful manner, right? Thinking about the employee experience at hand first Mm -hmm. because they're people. Just like, mm-hmm. just like you and just like the rest of your family. So I think that, you know, a partner, empathy and advocacy are kind of the three themes that have been woven into my journey that have helped me to stay grounded mm-hmm. while still, you know, being able to climb the ladder as people say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I have witnessed you, I can't even count on my hands because I think it's been way more than that, many, many, many times as the advocate, as the messenger on behalf of your team at the table with senior leadership, sharing how we should, recommendations on how we should handle something, on making sure there was truly a human connection back to people, um, making sure that the message of concern was shared. And it's not always the popular one and it's not always the easy one. Um, What have been some of your, you know, how you got up the courage to do that, how you prepared to share that message? What are some of the ways that you have come to the table when it wasn't popular to share? No, this is how we need to handle this. Um, what are some of the things that you've done in the past to to do that, get yourself prepared, and then also, you know, get over the fear of, you know, I, I'm putting myself out there on behalf, you know, of the this group, and and you know, I don't know how this is going to be received. Yeah, this is a great question, um, and, and I remember I remember being so shy in my like first few years um, at Tech Data, right, and and just being fearful of how people would react if I actually gave my true opinion, right? And so I had to start letting it out like easily, little by little. And especially at the time, I had a boss who didn't really want to hear people's opinions very much, mm-hmm. um, especially when they differed from from him, right? And And I think eventually what happened is that, you know, I just started to, especially with all the life experiences that I had, Number one, I said, this is, you know, even if I lost my job for speaking my mind, it would not be the worst thing that could happen. Right. And, and, you know, there, I would find my way. And even if I had to change my lifestyle for a while, I'd find my way and and I'd find something else to do to be gainfully employed. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so that removed a lot of the fear. Right. Is saying things could be worse. Even if I lost my job, things could be worse. I could lose my health. I could lose someone close to me. I could lose, you know, other things that would be much worse than my job. Mm -hmm. And so that helped to just kind of break down the the barrier of the fear. And then it just became, okay, either they're going to get to know me and get Mm -hmm. to know that, you know, when I feel strongly about something, I'm going to say it regardless of whether it's the popular opinion or not. Mm-hmm. And they appreciate it or they don't. 
and and you know you got to test it out sometimes right and and it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to turn the faucet fully on all at <laughs> once and you got to know your audience and um but i think that that's where that's where it, it it really helped me to just remember those things breathe remember you'll be fine you know you'll still yeah. have your health you'll still have a lot of other things to focus on even if you have to be looking for another job yeah. So leadership, um, and you've been in leadership for a very long time, even before you had a title of a leader, you were a leader, in my opinion. Um, the evolution of the leader and who the leader needs to be today is very different than our model of the world and how we, you know, kind of evolved through leadership roles for decades. And in today's environment where people needing connection, people needing to be connected to that value, to really feel their engagement to the company, to what they're doing, to their contribution, to change, to being able to be resilient through all of the change that many companies are going through now, to really feel like they have meaning in their work, you know, the, the leader role has changed because the old way does not accommodate <laughs> leading people and teams through this. But you mentioned empathy. And I feel that is one of the absolute keys to this leadership evolution that needs to happen. And you brought it in from a personal experience. But can you share with us like, what are your thoughts on how that's evolved in your leadership roles and or what other kind of recommendations could you give others on just authentic empathy? Like how to do that? What does that mean? Give examples maybe of a couple of situations. I think that would be really great for our listeners. Sure. So I think, you know, you're so spot on, like the, the role of a leader and the attributes of a leader today, like what we need today to engage people in our work courses so different than what we were used to in the past right yeah. and and I've seen it I've seen the leaders that you know think that with every promotion or, or expanded role that that makes them a little bit better than other people mm. and and that shines through in what they do and how they lead right mm -hmm. and I think um you know, they'll be remiss at one point because they, they will lose the engagement of their teams, right? Because that's yeah. just not the way to get people motivated to, to yeah. work alongside you. And, and I've seen people think that they can, you know, the rules don't apply to them. They're, you know, the rule is different for them because they're the boss and mm -hmm. they can do different things. And I've just, I've never been somebody who found that okay. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't think it's the model of, you know, what, what the example of what we want to give to, mm -hmm. to our teams. And so for me, it's always been like, well, wait, how would I feel? Or how did I feel when I saw that? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I've seen it many times and I know how bad it made me feel mm -hmm. to watch somebody, you know, break the rules that we were all supposed to follow, but they weren't supposed to follow them because mm -hmm. they were they were the leader of the boss. So I, I took how it made me feel as an employee, as a team member. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, I don't ever want 
people to feel that way about what I'm what I'm doing with them and and how I'm modeling behavior with the team, right? Mm -hmm. They need to feel that we're in this together, that we work together, right? And and sure, yes, I have I have a different title perhaps, and I have to make some decisions sometimes. You know, I have to be the referee and and be the tiebreaker, Mm -hmm. make some decisions. But it doesn't mean that I'm any better or any worse mm-hmm. than anyone else, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what's so important about empathy is being able to put yourself in people's shoes. And so mm-hmm. I always try to remember what not only my personal experiences and how that's made me a more empathetic person, but also my my professional experiences and what I've you know what I've learned really made me feel achy from 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 some leaders and that I didn't want to model. Yeah. So tough decision time. Leaving a company you had been with for over 20 years and, you know, maybe not even at a time when you were thinking of leaving. What how how does that work? And um you know what did you consider and and how did you say, okay, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it was, it was a really tough, it was a tough one to, um, to come to terms with, right? Because literally the people there were like my family. Like I had, mm-hmm. you know, I have a work family and I have a lot of people from that work family that I still keep in touch with and, and that are my friends. Um, but I think there was also this kind of realization on my part that I had gotten pigeonholed into a certain um, segment of the business there, mm-hmm. right? After having done it for so long, that it was hard for people to see me as ready to do something else or, or mm-hmm. be the first choice to do something else, right? And so I made a conscious decision to move into an, this kind of the same segment, same geography, but different company. And kind mm-hmm. of be able to start again, right? In terms of how I position myself and, um, you know, financially it, it helped. I, I did uh-huh. negotiate um, well from a financial perspective so that it was attractive to me. And I think that that's important to you. But I think it was also pushing myself to get out of my comfort zone because I could mm-hmm. see myself being comfortable and continuing. I wasn't unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just, in a comfort zone. And and I wanted to prove to myself that I could also get out of that comfort zone and push my limits a bit and push my boundaries a bit. And you unleashed yourself in less than two years. I mean, incredible, which I was not surprised by. <laughs> I think you had two promotions in like a year and a half yeah. at Xerox, right? I was not surprised by that at all, by the way. I was like, yeah, she's finally being appreciated for the full spectrum of your talents. And And I I think think that, yeah. And that's where, you know, sometimes it's tough when you are in one company for a long time. And especially when you Mm. grow up in that company, yeah, right. Um, To be fully appreciated for your potential versus when you're brought in as a professional with experience under your belt and and can kind of start fresh again in terms of, how you're perceived in, in the new culture, right. And by the new leadership. Yeah. Ah, that's amazing. I have, um, 
One last question I want to ask you, and and um, I think this is important, and I'm probably going to start doing some work around this, so I would love to get your thoughts on this, is when you're in a career, but you don't want to leave, but you are feeling just stagnant, you're feeling like you're not being seen, especially where there's so many you know uh, positions now that are very remote. And as leaders, we still haven't quite gotten our hands on how to make sure we still make our team feel connected and visible. Um, how do you refresh and reboot your motivation, your inspiration, your creativity around your job? Like, what are some thoughts that you have on that? I know you do. <laughs> yeah. So um, reading, I love to read. And I love to read about people who inspire me. Like, mm-hmm. The last um, book that I read about someone that I've always admired was Andrew Nguyen, um, My Life in Full, right? And I remember during, you know, during all these years that I was managing little kids and, and work and balancing and, and her, so many of her funny quotes from interviews, like, you know, really got me through and made me rethink things, little like tidbits that she would have in there. So, um reading helps me a lot. And for her, Mm -hmm. it's also, it was also about incorporating your purpose into a company, right? When she became Mm -hmm. CEO, she really, it was about leading with a purpose and and performance with a purpose, right? And so I think that if you step back and you find a way to renew that energy around your purpose, Mm -hmm. then you can start to see opportunities of how to bring that purpose to life in your current job right yes yeah and and I think that that is you know it's a challenge for all of us and we all Mm -hmm. get we're all getting you know virtual meeting fatigue now right and 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 we got to find ways to re-energize ourselves and Mm -hmm. and try some new things in terms Mm -hmm. of you know bringing what matters to you into what you're giving at work and and what you're delivering at work. Yeah. I think a lot of people are on a um, finding meaning and purpose path, but I think they're thinking it has to be outside of where they are today. And, you know, I've, I've been in those ruts before where I was just like, okay, I'm not feeling inspired anymore. I need a reboot. And I would figure out ways to do that. I would take on new projects or special projects. I would work with my team in a different way. You know, there were always little ways I was able to do that. But I feel like that calling people are like, you know, grabbing onto now. They're like, I have a purpose. I am, I am supposed to do something more meaningful um, that they're disconnecting then from their current wherever they are, and there could be a lot of other reasons why it could it could have to do with company culture. It could have to do with their own leaders. It could have to do with just um, lack of alignment and values, um, or or the the align the, the their values have shifted and changed and no longer aligned to where they are. Now that yeah, there probably is opportunity to go find something else. But I think your point about kind of rediscovering you know, here's my purpose. And how do I, how do I work that into what I'm responsible for, what I'm doing? How can I bring it in, in a creative way or in an expanded way from my current role? And that re-energizes, re-inspires and can kind of get people a little motivated again, I think, um, in their current place, not having to leave and go find something else. 
I agree because, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener, by the yeah. way, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and so I think there is a lot of opportunity for us to find ways to re-energize ourselves in our current positions. And especially now with companies, there's so many opportunities for you to align with like sustainability initiatives yes. or diversity and inclusion initiatives or corporate social responsibility so if those align with your passions and your purpose, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can weave that into what you do with your team even and, yeah. and in your work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, do you have one rapper, like billboard quote from Dina Lamarck Picone mm -hmm. that you would like to share? Don't shy away from being you. Mm. lean into yourself right and and you're allowed to have that change and evolve over time yeah yes yes that was perfect <laughs> i love it thank you all right thank, thank you, you so much for this that so um, yeah do you have any call outs that you'd like to make um whether it's a company a book um uh, organization nonprofit, products anything that you'd like to share Sure. So, uh, first of all, my website has a lot of books. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call yep. out books. So a, a lot of my book recommendations are on my website. So it's imdina.com. www.imdina.com. And then in terms of um, organizations, there are two that I work with so much, um, just because I'm I feel so personally connected to them. Nicholas Children's Health Foundation. So that's where my son was treated. It was Miami Children's Hospital at the time. It's now renamed after a, a very nice gift from the Nick Cross family. Um, but they have a foundation and I've seen the work that they do and I've been, you know, active in the work that they do. And it's really great. And they not only help families get access to treatments that they wouldn't have otherwise, mm. but they also help the whole family experience during difficult um, you know, treatment times. So mm -hmm. that's one. And then um, Mystic Force Foundation. I know that founder really well. Um, she was not as uh, blessed as, as I was, and she lost her son to a battle mm -hmm. in cancer and, and dedicated her life. And the crazy thing is her, her husband's a neurosurgeon and her son had you know a cancerous brain tumor that was inoperable wow. and, and untreatable but wow. um she you know she created this foundation and her mission is really to increase the amount of research cancer research that's done on pediatric cancer because right. unfortunately <laughs> it only gets like three to five percent of the research funding allocation so that's made her mission um and I absolutely encourage people. She also does a lot around her community. She created Heroes Hangout, which uh, is for kids going through treatment. It's a completely sterile environment with toys nice. for them to come and disconnect and engage with each other and hang out while they're on treatment. Mm, that's so wonderful. And I remember um, uh, you've been working with her for a long time because I remember we, we've um, actually had them at a Cisco Ignite event. Yes, correct. Hosted in Miami. Yeah, yes, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, raising funds for that. them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you. And your son today, Mateo, is how old? 14. He's 14. taller than me. He's like a handsome and yes. smart and just so kind and such a great, 
kid and he's one of those kids that you get you know emails unsolicited emails from teachers about like that he's just such a great kid and he really is he's a blessing in so many ways yeah he is meant to do some big things in this world that's awesome thank you so much Dina it was such a pleasure to have you on thank you Angie